Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Hey, Luther, how are you? Yeah, how are you? Good, good. Welcome. Let me just really get started real quickly. Uh, I was a little behind. Tonight we're having uh, economic expert, Dr. Michael Butler, PhD, professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey. Looking forward to it. Um, He'll be coming on very quickly. Uh, I want to touch on this whole situation with... Kavanaugh. Did you see the mockery? The whole, it was disgraceful how these politicians from the left, basically with their cronies, did what they did today and yesterday with, with Kavanaugh. I mean, it's become, we're becoming a third world country here. Unbelievable. It is. It is. It's totally. It's out of out of out of control. Um, something has to happen because the the nomination process that we we currently have totally is disgraceful. How do we pretend to be a first world country when we have politicians like this behaving and having? I mean. Totally, totally embarrassing. I mean, the whole world is watching this. And these opposition, the opposition party really is embarrassing all of us. Well, they, uh, I can't hear you. Right. Well, yes, 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 yes. Uh, it's definitely, uh, I, I, I'm just so disgusted, so upset with, with what the little chance that I got it, to view some of the um, some of the things that have happened today. I didn't get a chance to to witness the uh, the whole circus yesterday, and I, I I'm glad I did. I I'm glad I I'm glad that I really didn't. I didn't miss much, okay. But the fact that you disagree with someone, okay, that's fine. But to make a mockery of the whole nomination nominee procedure is totally should not be tolerated at all. So I just but let's focus on the let's focus on the positive things, which is basically the economy is booming uh, and and we have a good we're going in the right direction as a country. I, I believe that um, I keep seeing a lot of signs for. To hire people, uh, openings, you know. So I think I think there's a there's a new new spirit. The American spirit has been reborn. Uh, people, and, need to, and, they need to, they people need to yeah. understand that. Uh, 
Luther, Luther, uh, hang up and, and call again because I'm not hearing you that well. Okay, I'll call you again. All right, Luther, uh, my co-host will be coming back right now. It's uh, having some issues on the line, on his line, and uh, he'll he'll be coming back. Uh, I, I'm looking forward to uh, speaking to Professor uh, Bustler now, who um, should be coming on the line right now. Hello. Good evening, Professor. How are you, Professor Buzzler? I'm doing. I'm doing very well. All right. Well, I'm just waiting for my co-host to come back on the line, and uh, I'm glad that you were able to come on tonight to broadcast in politics. Um, we have a lot of good. great news to uh, to share, right? <laughs> in regards to the economy. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Some really great news. Fantastic. Can you just basically give a, I, I briefly touched on your name and, and, and yes. that you were an economic expert, but if you can go on beyond that. point. Okay. So I'm a, uh, an economist and a public policy analyst. Um, I write for uh, town hall, LifeZet, and Newsmax. Right. Um, and mostly on economics issues and other public policy issues. Uh, I'm a professor of finance. I'm a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey. I'm 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 from New Jersey, so we're we're. we're <laughs> You're from New Jersey? Yes, yes. Uh, good old Melbourne, New Jersey. Melbourne is that up north? That's in Essex County. Essex, okay. I'm in Southfield, just I'm, down I'm, beach I'm, from Atlantic City. Yeah. I'm very familiar with your your university and uh Stockton University, yes. Excellent. But yep. um so I want to <clears> touch <throat> on something because I have a lot of family and friends in New Jersey before we okay. go on to the to the global domestic yep. national economic. Where is New Jersey because New Jersey has a special heart in my uh, special place in my heart. Yeah. Where is New Jersey going? Now that they, we officially have uh, a, a sanctuary, sanctuary governor, uh, uh, like Phil Murphy. Yeah. <clears throat> well, um, I, I, I think we're heading in the wrong direction. You know, we're, we're trying to grow the state, attract more people here. Uh, and what he's doing is exactly the, the opposite. We're, we're uh, overtaxed. We have this, I think, the second highest property taxes in the country. Mm -hmm. uh, we have a 7% sales tax. We have a state income tax. Could be as high as he just raised it up to uh, 11%. On October 1st, the gas tax goes up by a little over $0.04 cents a gallon. Um, and he's uh, adding a bunch of regulations that are uh, likely to uh, drive businesses out of the state. Uh, one, he wants the minimum wage to go up to $15 an hour. That'll drive businesses out of the state. And I don't know how the, you know, I live on a resort town. I don't know how the uh, sure seasonal businesses can survive with a $15 an hour uh, minimum wage. It, it, it simply doesn't work. Well, so I'm, I'm a little bit nervous. They'll pass it on to the, uh, to the consumer. That's basically, uh, well, that's, that's, well, that's, that's, what, that's what you hope. You know, that's what he hopes. There's, a, there's a, probably a limit to how much the consumer will take. Right. Right. That's, well, that's, well, that, the, that's that, the issue. That was one of the reasons I left. <laughs> yeah. My wife keeps saying know. to me, uh, with, with all these taxes, she doesn't know why we stay here. I tell her because I love the Jersey Beach too much. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm right right behind you, Professor. I, <laughs> uh, I mean, Bradley Beach, Bradley Beach. Uh, Bradley Beach is nice. I live, uh, I live just down beach from Atlantic City. Yeah. 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 So I, I, mean, uh, I, I, I would spend my summers uh, on the shore. I mean, it's, it's, it's yeah. uh, Cape May. You Cape May. You can't beat Cape May. You can't beat the Jersey Shore in the summer. No, I don't think anywhere no. in the world can beat the Jersey Shore in the summer. No. It's uh, like I said. I, <laughs> New Jersey has a special place in my heart for, and 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 I go back uh, quite often. Excellent. Okay, great. Um, so now we're basically looking at. At the domestic national economy. Okay. We keep we keep hearing about the, you know, the highest GDP 
in, in, in six in a oh, long time. In a long time. <laughs> Unemployment at 4.3, 16-year low. Uh, earnings Actually, it's better than that. It's down under 4%. It's now almost a 50-year low. Okay. So but basically, stronger job growth, record Absolutely. high stock. Uh, yep. Housing market is uh, booming. So yeah. trade deficits yeah. are down. So w- why are, are we hearing so much complaints and criticism from everyone that feels that they're economic experts like you? <clears throat> the criticism it can't be uh, – uh, aimed toward the economy, the criticism is all aimed toward Donald Trump. Uh, those that criticize, even the most uh, knowledgeable economists, like Paul Krugman, who writes the Nobel Prize mm-hmm. winner, writes for the New York Times, um, he, he just is way off with what he, what he says. <clears throat> Look, <clears throat> the, the facts are that the economy has not had 3% annual growth since 2005. We haven't had 4% annual growth since the year 2000. That's the longest period of economic stagnation in history. The reason is the prior administration never put economic growth as a priority. The prior administration, their economic priorities were to cure perceived social injustices. Like it's an injustice that everybody doesn't have health care. It's an injustice that big business takes advantage of consumers. It's an injustice that wealthy people make hundreds of times more than the average person. Um, So his policies were geared to cure those social injustices, and every one of the cures slowed economic growth. For instance, uh, he passed the Affordable Care Act uh, to try to uh, to provide health health insurance to all Americans. It helped about 6% of the population since the uh, insured went from 85% of the population up to 91%. So it helped about 6% of the population. Meanwhile, it had 23 either new taxes or raised taxes. That reduces the spendable income for the middle class, tends to slow economic growth. The Affordable Care Act also said that every employer had to pay uh, for health insurance for every employee or pay a $3,000 fine. That added to the cost of labor, made expansion more expensive, slowed economic growth. Um, So uh, with the Affordable Care Act, it um, tried to reach the social goals, although it didn't, that he wanted, but it ended up slowing economic growth. He also felt that banks were taking advantage of consumers. So he gets the Dodd-Frank bill passed Mm -hmm. to stop what he called predatory lending, where banks lent to people who uh, President Obama said they shouldn't have lent to because the people really couldn't afford the mortgages. Uh, So he passes the Dodd-Frank bill, which essentially eliminates all that, quote, predatory lending. However, it also um, reduced all business lending. When you reduce lending, Money, the monetary policy doesn't work. It only works when the banks are lending money and you get a multiplying effect. So by reducing the lending through Dodd-Frank, you reduce the multiplying effect of monetary policy, again, tended to slow economic growth. <clears throat> Bush's, Bush passes a tax cut in 2001, expires in 2011. President Obama made the tax cuts permanent for everybody except the highest income earners. Their income taxes went up by 10%. Uh, What that did was it reduced the amount of investment capital that the wealthy had. That meant there was less capital going into the economy. We have a capital-intensive economy. You put less capital in, tends to slow economic growth. He put in hundreds, really thousands of regulations designed to protect consumers and cure any perceived social injustices. That, too, adds to the cost of expansion, adds to the cost of business, slows economic growth. So everything the prior administration did um, to solve these social issues slowed economic growth. So what happens? President Trump gets into office, 
right after he's sworn in the next month or two, he starts getting rid of all these regulations that have been holding us back. Since he's done that, the economy has grown at about a 3% rate. Then in November, last November, he convinced Congress to cut taxes for all Americans, middle class and the upper class. What that did was the middle class had more to spend. Stimulated spending tends to add to growth. The upper class had more capital to invest in a capital-intensive economy. That tends to add to growth. The tax cut goes into effect last January. By April of this year, the economy is growing at a 4% annual rate. In the current quarter, the third quarter, the estimate, first estimate will be out uh, the end of October, I think the economy is growing at a 4.5% rate. Hmm. And it's, I wouldn't be surprised if next year we saw a quarter or two where economic growth exceeded 5%. Now, as, as uh, far-fetched as that might sound, I would remind you, um, President Trump modeled his tax cut after what Reagan did in 81. Reagan's right. tax cut went into effect in 1982. In 1984, for the entire year, the economy grew at a 7.5% rate. So I think we're in for some good uh, growth ahead. I'm very optimistic about the economy. And except for the fact that they don't like Trump and they just want to get him out of office and make him look as bad as they can, the New York Times published an op-ed today that said uh, how hectic things are uh, in the Trump White House. However, they wouldn't put the name of the person who wrote it because he said he has <laughs> to remain anonymous. Um, they're just out to get President Trump. And if they looked well, at it objectively, they would reach the same conclusions I do. Professor, that's the reason they have a, a very important name in front of the New York Times building on 43rd Street in New York City. It's called yep. fake news. Fake news. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, they're, and they're, I, they're publishing it because they just want Trump out of there. They can't believe they lost the election the day after he gets sworn in they start screaming impeach him and they've been trying to get him out of office now for a year and a half in spite of that he has accomplished some marvelous things right well i, I if you if you don't mind i like to add something else that i think is important sure. uh sure. the addition of money that has been brought back by multinational companies u.s multinational companies that have brought back money and, invest, and are investing it here in the United States, plus, yes. plus multinational companies from other parts of the world that feel confident that they have a real businessman here running the country, and they have actually bought Invested their here. investments here. Would you agree? Absolutely. <clears throat> the, the corporate tax rate on average was about 35%. So large corporations said, look, we can't pay that. So Apple buys a little tiny house over in Ireland, calls that its corporate headquarters. They now pay a much lower corporate tax rate. So they, had, they were headquartered there. General Electric has a little house, I think, in Switzerland or Sweden. They call their t uh, headquarters, so they pay their taxes. Again, nothing comes to the U.S. Well, President Trump lowered the corporate tax rate to 21%. Now it's as low or lower than most countries. So companies say, hey, there's no reason not to be in the U.S. They're pro-business now. In addition to that, all the, the um, uh, money that uh, companies like Apple and GE had made over the years, to bring it back into the U.S., they would get charged a huge penalty. President Trump reduced the penalty down to, I think, 10, 10%. So now they're bringing all that money back into the country. And just as you said, they're investing. And even companies like BMW say, hey, there's a lower tax rate in the U.S. They're business friendly. I'm building a new plant in South Carolina. So you're right. Exactly. It's attracting foreign investment here, too. Foreign, and that's, another, that's another reason the stock market uh, is booming, too, because a lot of the Absolutely. institutional – Institutional investment is one, but also the foreign investment. 
I mean, you have you yep. have an EU, you have an EU, uh, European Union that is totally divided and on the verge. In my opinion, and I was just in Holland in Europe uh, in June, yep. and yep. there's a lot of fear, dissent, because a lot of dissent the, there, a lot of dissent, and in, in the situation in, in in England with the Brexit, uh, that it's totally has divided the European Union. So a lot of those companies, I believe, and in, in even individual investors are seeing the U.S. as the only option around the, around the globe that they can actually make some money, correct? Yes. Yeah. And the U.S. now, as you said, with Trump in, in, in the lead here in control, you have a business-friendly environment. All of Europe is going the way President Obama went during his administration they're more concerned with curing perceived social injustices than they are with getting their economy moving. And frankly, uh, even if they want to cure the social injustices, you're much easier. It's much easier to do that if your economy is real strong and everybody has Correct. plenty of money. They try to do it from a position of weakness and they're running into trouble. Well, I, I think, it, it, again, it boils down to that mentality that they, government can do everything. And, and can control yeah. everything. And, and, and I think that's the mentality of the opposition. Um, all the good news that we're hearing, Professor. Um, yes. But I do have a question for you. And I've sure. always had this question, and, and you're an economic expert on this. If the economy is booming and everything uh -huh. looks beautiful, why are the wages, wage growth, always, and it's been like that for a while, a long time, Wages don't grow at the same pace as the economy. Why is that? <clears throat> yeah, so I, I'm not exactly sure what, what that means. Uh, so do, do you mean that uh, uh, they said wages haven't grown in 20 years? So does that mean people are making the same amount of money that they were 20 years ago? No, that's not right. And incomes are going way up. What, what, what they mean by that? If somebody uh, was an entry-level, uh, let's say, electrician, and uh, 20 years ago the entry-level electrician started at $15 an, an hour, well, um, now he's only at $22 an hour. So if you adjust for inflation, he should be a little higher than, than he is. And that's probably true. But th the reality is people don't stay at entry-level positions. They end up moving up, they get promoted, they get more experience, they get another job. So to say wages are stagnant, you're right. If somebody started an entry-level job and he stayed there for the, the next 20 years, his wage would be stagnant. But the reality is people move up and they get better pay. If you look at, at personal income, which it, it, it accounts for everything, not just the wage somebody was, was earning, but if they get new jobs, their in, income goes up. That's a better uh, measure, plus people earn income from other ways uh, also. But um, if you take a look at personal incomes, they're, they're going up 4 or 5% a year and have been for the last years. Even during the weak economy of Obama, they were going up 2 3, 3% a, a year. So to say the wages haven't uh, – there's no wage growth and it makes it sound very negative, like people are still making the same amount of money. You know, right. the reality is people are doing much better today. And even with the stagnant economy, they still did okay uh, during the stagnant economy. And now they're about to do much, much better. You know, it's not so much the wage, wage growth number, but <clears throat> I take a look at my college, my students who graduated. For the mm -hmm. last 10 years, they're lucky to get one good job offer. Many times they had to take a job for which they were overqualified. You didn't need the college yeah. degree. Now, yep. so they get a lot of what we call underemployment. As a result of that, the jobs for people that don't have college degrees, they're not available to the, those people. So the people without the degrees drop out of the labor market. You get discouraged workers, probably five or six million of those nationwide. Nation, uh, uh, so that's re that was really more of the problem during the Obama administration. People start saying, I don't need a college degree. I could have got this job without the college degree. And right. they're right, yep. because the, without the growth in the economy, you're not providing new jobs for the college graduates. This year, 
people are going out, uh, will go out in May and June and uh, to work, they'll have a good job offer. Many of them will see multiple job offers the way it used to be years ago. And you see a lot of the underemployed college graduates from the last 10 years, they're starting to find jobs where they can take advantage of their degree. As a result, a lot of these discouraged workers in the month of June, I think there were 600,000 discouraged workers came back into the workforce. That's going to add to the labor force. That, too, is going to help stimulate growth. I'm very optimistic about growth. And the fact that wages are are stagnant is a misleading um, way to look at things. Really, people are doing better, and they're going to start to do much better. I agree. Uh, uh, My co-host, Luther, do you have a question for Professor Butler? Yeah, I have a question. Um, They're all wanting Trump out, and he's making jobs. And uh-huh. These people who are wanting Trump out, what are they trying to do? Well, in my opinion, anybody who wants to run a president out of office that's making jobs right. is trying to make this country go bankrupt. <laughs> yeah. Um, look, they just don't like Trump. They don't like the fact that he won the election. They don't like the fact that uh, he's a New Yorker from Queens and he's a business mm-hmm. person. Uh, they just want him, him out. You know, they don't understand his personality. They don't understand his direct approach. They don't understand the tweets that he does. You know, and to, the, to all those people, I just tell them, go walk around the streets of Queens in New York for an hour or so. Talk to the people. They're all like that. <laughs> that really, everything, they're very proud people. They think everything they have is the biggest and the, the best. I mean, that's just the way the people are up there. So Trump right. has a similar kind of personality. That's it. We're not used oh, to yeah. it. It's different. You're right, but it's the way he is. Definitely. But definitely. Going I mean, after, what go, go did ahead. they do before Trump got in? Any of them? What did any of them do? They weren't making jobs, but now that Trump's in making jobs, they're going to go after Trump? So that just yeah, tells me that jobs are about bankrupting this country and stopping him from saving this republic, in my exactly. opinion. Exactly. Now, another thing that uh, Obama did that Trump will start dealing with starting next year is the fact that we had huge deficits. The public debt, the total of all deficits when Obama got in, into office was about $11 trillion. He left office, it was $19 trillion. So he almost doubled the amount of debt. Now, Trump is running a deficit um, for a couple reasons. One, He cut taxes, although tax revenue is actually higher the first six months of this year than it was last year. The rates went down, but activity picked up. So we're actually bringing in more money. Um, So um, he agreed last September to a big spending bill. And when he signed the bill, he said, never again will I sign a bill like this. So he allowed the spending to increase. He also recognized the military has been decimated mostly by the prior administration who convinced Congress to pass the sequester, which said for every dollar in social programs you want to cut, you have to cut a dollar out of the military, which decimated the military. So Trump said we have to spend money to fix that. So for the next two years, he's got this year and next year, he's got a lot of money in there for that. So the deficit will be a little larger than uh, he'd like. Starting next year, though, he's going to start tackling government spending in areas where people – politically couldn't touch it. He has the will uh, and the guts to go ahead. And again, he's not a politician. He's a business person. So a business person sees a big problem because it's affecting your bottom line. You have to attack it right away. That's his personality. He's going to start attacking and spending. He'll get the deficit down, not by raising taxes, which would slow economic growth, but rather by reducing spending to where it should be rather than where all these special uh, interests and special programs have, have the numbers. Well, that's going to be, uh, Professor, that's going to be, that's going to be a real challenge for, for, for President Trump because Washington DC is full of special interest groups. And, Absolutely. And, and that's, that's going to create a, a, a real, real tug of war between. I agree with you completely. It's going to create what seems like an insurmountable mountain. The only person <laughs> in history who would even try it is Donald Trump. Right, right, right. Look at everybody vote red. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, what, um, 
what's the difference in your opinion between the the previous Fed chairman Janet Yellen and the new Fed chairman Jerome Powell? Powell. Yeah. yeah. Is there a difference, uh, a huge difference, or basically the Fed chairman follows the same po- policy, which is basically curbing inflation, maintaining job growth? Yes. <clears throat> okay. So um, Janet Yellen, although uh, philosophically probably um, a little different than President, a lot different than President Trump, but uh, she followed a very sound monetary policy. Um, she was about to do some things, I think, that may have caused some issues. So I think uh, replacing her at that time, Trump did, was a good idea. But so the, the Federal Reserve massively increased the money supply massively to get uh, out of the recession. And they dropped interest rates virtually to, to zero. The economy should have boomed. Um, because Obama passes the Dodd-Frank and the monetary policy becomes ineffective, it doesn't boom. Um, But the economy um, staggered along for all these years. Now, um, when it looked like the economy was starting to be stable again, it's time to bring the interest rates up. So Janet Yellen brought them up a little bit. Powell, too, now that the economy is much stronger – See, you don't want the economy to overheat. Um, if it, you want it to grow as much as possible, but you want to be able to sustain the, the growth without causing inflation. Abnormally low interest rates, where we still are today, will tend to inflate, cause inflation in the economy, especially if it's uh, revving up the, the way it is. So I think Powell is doing exactly the right thing. I think the Federal Reserve is doing exactly the right things. They're gradually taking the interest rates up. They should end up being, with the kind of growth we're going to have for the next couple of years, they should be at or even slightly above historical averages. So I think he's taking it up slowly enough that it won't hurt growth, but enough that he'll keep any inflation out. The 10-year Treasury historically has been in the 3 3.5% range. It's still under 3%. The housing market is always good when mortgages are 6% or less. They're still under 5%. So there's still room to take the, the interest rates up to keep the economy from overheating without causing any negative impacts on growth. And I think uh, Powell is doing it the, the right way. So for our listening audience, now that you, they've heard quite a few economic terms, what's the difference yeah. between inflationary an inflationary economy and a deflationary economy okay so um inflation and deflation very simple definition inflation just means prices are going up deflation means prices are going down the federal reserve tries to keep prices stable that is the the best thing for us now they call stable prices if inflation is less than two percent or they, they used to go as high as three, but if the inflation stays relatively low, so prices are only going up, you know, one, two, three percent a year, that, that's fine. You don't want them to go up too fast. It ends up getting an inflation psychology where people say, look, the price <laughs> is going up. I better hurry up and buy it before it goes up again. And because everybody says I want to go hurry up and buy it, the price ends up going up again. So you get this inflation cycle. Look at Venezuela. They've really got this psychology. So we are you, going to we are going to touch on those countries in a little while. I have it on my on okay. my agenda here. Mm-hmm. Good. So, so you um, you don't want inflation to get too high. You want it to stay under three percent, really under about two percent. It's right in that range now. They gradually take the interest rates up. We're still getting the growth we're looking for, and the inflation is staying relatively low. Deflation we were worried about after the financial crisis um now deflation means deflation means falling prices so in the housing market for instance and many markets in particular you ended have having a big deflation in home home values right so a, a scenario like japan that has been in a de- deflationary mode since the 1980s and an inflationary mode 
like we had in the in the late seventies under Jimmy Carter. Right. It's not something right. that you see in the in the in the in the near future. No, the, the, we learned after the Jimmy Carter experience, the Federal Reserve learned what to do to make sure that never happens again, uh, and that is control the interest rates and the money supply. It's really the money supply you're controlling. Um, they know how to control that so that um, high inflation is very unlikely to ever ever happen uh, again. Got it. Got it. Since you brought it up just now, uh, we're looking at current situations like in Venezuela, where yeah. p- individuals, groups voted social for socialism, right? Equal justice, social justice. We have countries like yep. also like Nicaragua, uh, right. Argentina now, and countries around the world that are basically decided to go in that direction, and now today they're paying yeah. for it. Why exactly. Is it, why, is there, why is there such a push for socialism now in our country when the economy is booming and it's shown that capitalism is the way to go? In your, yeah. In your, um, what what happened because we had such a <clears throat> slow growth economy really for it's been 12 years since we had a a 3% uh, annual growth rate 2005 was the last time so since we've had that um you get as i said a lot of workers got forced out of the market a lot of people got put on uh food stamps we're paying more in food stamps than we ever did um the prior administration took the work requirement uh off of um, welfares and increase the amount of welfare spending. So now um, there's more welfare spending. So people become dependent, and then he gave them free health care, everybody free health care. So <laughs> if with free health care, food stamps, and uh, welfare payments, they people become very dependent. The economy doesn't have much uh, opportunity because it's not growing. So these people become dependent. And then uh, people with a conscience start to say, all these dependent pe- uh, people really don't have much. Um, don't you have a big compassionate heart? Just look, you, these guys have so much. Take some of what they earned and give it to people who didn't earn it because you feel that, uh, you know, they should they should have something. Um, it ends up uh, causing severe problems. You know, Margaret Thatcher said, socialism works until you run out of somebody else's money. Venezuela of, just ran out of somebody else's money. Yeah. One of and the that's best, why they're in this crisis. One of the best quotes ever I've ever heard, Martha Thatcher's um, about socialism. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well. Yep, and that's, that's, the, and that's what happens in Venezuela, in Venezuela today. They're out of the other people's money. <laughs> and now nobody's – the business isn't making anything. There's no capital to do anything. Their currency is worthless. Uh, people want whatever they can get, and there's nothing available, so you get prices going up outrageously. Um, and that's that's what socialism leads leads to. It starts well, out now. People argue back um, about some of the uh, uh, democratic socialism that they have in uh, uh, Sweden and uh, Norway and Denmark and some some of those countries. They say, well, look, that socialism works over there. They would argue. And that's well, what they think you should head toward. I, I, came, I came back from Holland, and, 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 and they, do, they tax you around 50, 50 to 55% of your, of your salary. Six, 62% in Amsterdam. 62% on average. Yeah, so basically they do look at the nice things. The, the roads are really nice and everything is really nice. But basically the government really has control over your money. That's the bottom Absolutely. line. Yeah. Yeah. And once they get control over the money, they can get control over other things. For instance, uh, Elizabeth Warren says uh, colleges should should be free, tuition free. Let everybody go to college for for free. Well, of course, it's not free. They just mean that people, the students don't have to pay for it. They want the uh, the taxpayers to, to end up paying for it. The problem is then the government is in control of the education system. So suppose the government says, you know, we, we have a glut of lawyers now, so I'm going to uh, shut down some of the law schools and uh, stop some people from becoming lawyers. The way it is now, we probably do have a glut of lawyers, but if somebody wants to become a lawyer, there's a glut of lawyers, you still have the right to do that. So exactly. you can still do that. 
the, if the government controls the education system, they're going to start limiting and start determining what fields are open and who should go into what field. And pretty soon you have an extremely inefficient system that will eventually lead to collapse. The more freedom and capitalism you put into the system, the more growth you're going to get. And in my opinion, the fair distribution of income. Well, this, this, this part of, of our interview uh, is, has to do, is going to do with the future of individuals that are studying at universities like, your, like Stockton University in New Jersey. Yep, yep. In regards to finance, based on your yeah. experience, based on your experience being the instructor, the professor, yep. what's the current attitude towards the different models of, of economy, the Freeman model or the, or the more progressive model, which I forgot his name because I don't really think about him. I, Milton Freeman is more of my, in, more in line with my, mine too. Mine too. Um, uh, the other one was, uh, I guess, developed originally by uh, John, the Keynesian school by John, yes, John Keynes. Yes. They, they would say, uh, mm-hmm. there was a few other ones. That, mm-hmm. They, come along that added to that progressive school currently you have Paul Krugman who writes for the New York times, right. Robert Reich, who used to be secretary of uh, mm-hmm. labor. Uh, he, he does a lot too. Uh, so those people are more for the progressive. They think uh, things should be shared more equally. Um, and uh, <clears throat> past laws like the CEO can earn so many times more than the lowest paid worker. Um, Elizabeth Warren uh, uh, introduced a bill, uh, the ACA. It's a, I forget exactly what it stands for. It's not the Affordable Care Act, but something no. about changing capitalist, capitalism. But um, the, the gist of the, the law says any corporation with over a billion dollars in sales, rather than get a charter from the state, they have to get a charter from the government. And the government charter will require that corporations – when making decisions, especially major decisions, consider the impact not just on their stockholders, but on their employees, uh, on the surrounding customer, uh, surrounding, surrounding community, and their customers. And those decisions will have to be approved by the government, at least the major decisions. Um, there is another uh, instance of uh, her wanting the government to get involved and control corporations to get what she will feel will be a more socially just uh, outcome. The reality is it will uh, end up with the company making less profit, less innovation, um, and you end up with a very inefficient company because it's doing what the government wants rather than what the marketplace wants, as Milton Friedman would would advocate. I got a question. Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead. the ones that are trying to stop Trump, wouldn't you agree they're yeah. trying to fade out the middle class? They're trying to do what? Fade out the middle class. Offer no class? I'm sorry. I, I, you're, I didn't hear you. What I'm, the people that are against Trump and trying to run Trump out of office, they're, what yeah. they're attempting to do is stop him. And, fade, and, and their attempt is to fade out the middle class. And if, they get, if we lose, exactly. we don't vote and get Trump some help. That this is wrong, and and in my opinion, they're trying to fade off the middle class. They're working against yeah. him. He's making jobs. Do you agree with that? Yeah, and in fact, they're going to say exactly the opposite. They say we're going to protect the middle yeah, class. No, they're not what? They're trying to right. do even worse than that. Trying yes. to phase out yeah. the middle class. My name is Joe. Um, I'll wait. Yeah, till Joe. Joe. I was just. About, I was just about. Joe, do you have a question for uh, Professor Bessler? Oh, one question. Okay, are you? I I presume you're um, not exactly pro-Fed. Are you pro-Fed or more or less anti-Fed? Uh, the Federal Reserve. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of debate on that. I still think there's a, a usable function for the Federal Reserve, particularly um, in watching uh, that the economy doesn't hit any catastrophic areas. Like in the late 70s was pointed out, we had a stagflation problem, high inflation and a stagnant uh, yeah, economy. Which, which Volcker yeah. supposedly fixed. Okay. Yeah. 
And um, we also had a deep recession in 08, 09, that the Federal Reserve was able to, in spite of the administration seemingly to fight against it, the Federal Reserve was still able to, uh, I believe, pull, pull us out of that. And uh, so okay. when it comes to extreme positions, I think the Federal Reserve does, does have a function, although I understand the other side of the argument, too, that uh, really they have a little, they're doing a little too much and uh, they exercise uh, too I, much I, control. I, and, and okay, I like to wait until the other call is finished, and then I like to give my two cents on the other side <laughs> of the Fed. All right. No, go ahead, go ahead. Uh, it's your time now. Who, me or the other one? No, you. Me, okay. The Fed was founded in 1913. There was a Sundra yep. McFadden who was against it, and for good reason. Number one, there is no economically viable reason whatsoever why our currency has to be based upon debt, when all you have to do with the money that's being printed to form the bonds, which keeps us in debt, if you eliminate the bond factor, just let the Treasury print the money, you have zero dime, zero penny of debt. So I don't understand how anybody can say the Fed has a usefulness. Well, wait, wait, say that again. You want the Treasury to print all the money and we won't have any debt then? Exactly. So, so in other words, if the government spends more money than it takes in in revenue, you just want the Treasury to print enough money to cover that. So there's I no debt. I want no debt. Even if the even if the treasury prints a trillion dollars more than it takes in, it still has yeah. no debt because it's not issuing yeah. bonds. Yeah, you will also have about a five hundred percent inflation rate. We have that already. Ever since nineteen. No, we don't. Inflation's about two percent. It is not. Inflation is even if you go to the uh, to the website of uh, uh, I forget the name of the government website. It's way Bureau of Labor Statistics. Yeah. Um, the Labor Statistics. So if you if you take a look at the prices of 1913 to the prices of food, which is not even accounted in CPI, you realize we have a lot more than 10% a year. It's over 500%. Well, so there is no use for this. For the are fact. you saying prices go up five times in a year? So something costs three dollars no, 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 in the beginning of the year is 15 at the end. You didn't say Venezuelan inflation. You said 500%, which means to me. Um, the total of 500%. No, it's not going um, it, It'll never go 500% if you give it to the Treasury. Um, yeah, unless, uh, unless, have, unless you print money uh, recklessly like that, that will not, lead to, that, to runaway inflation. You know what that argument is? You can use that same argument with the Fed. If the Fed, if you don't have 500% inflation now with the Fed increasing Because money they control supply, the money supply. And it, yeah, the Federal Reserve they, controls the money supply. So you're saying the Treasury would have far less control than the Fed? They would have no control. They would just uh, uh, print enough money to cover the amount of government spending. That's They'd have no control over it. If they don't want any debt, they're just printing money. Professor, right. that, is, that is an accounting of um, issuing loans. If you have no bonds, you have no loans to pay back. Right. Well, so there is no me, debt. Let me interject right. in there. I, I, I know, I know you, you have totally two different opposite, opposite views on this. But I think, I think one of the questions that I have for you, Professor Bessler, is why do they exclude from the CPI, why do they exclude food and, and oil? And yeah, and yeah. They don't. They don't include, exclude those. The CPI is made up of 100 products the average consumer is most likely to, to buy. It's taken in 53 cities around the, the country, and each month they go back to the exact same places to buy the same stuff, and they see how much prices have, have gone up. It includes food, housing, transportation, and most other goods that consumers would likely buy routinely. Yeah, if, there's, if it's including food, it's including it on a 1% weighted basis. So the CPI is a useless one. It includes food. Also, when you uh, have... Well, there is a GDP deflator that takes food and housing costs, uh, food and energy costs, rather, uh, out of it. So you and can look up the GDP deflator, but that also is running under 3%. And also in the GDP equation, the more the government spends, then the equation seems to have on the other side of it that the, uh, the GDP, the economy, is doing well, which is a false... Um, um, okay, a false now, result. if that's true... Now hang on a second. 
If that's true, why didn't when Obama increased spending tremendously, why didn't the economy grow? And I'll tell you the answer. Let me let me give you the answer. The the reason is you just can't spend money and expect the economy to grow. He spent money in areas where the market didn't want it. So as a result, there was very little multiplying effect. He bought solar panels, uh, whatever he did with the conservation <laughs> programs, uh, which did, did nothing. It got him his social justice, but it did had no multiplying effect. That's the because you're solar panel companies money. went out of business. It's because you're spending government money, which means it has to be taken out of taxes. The economy doesn't grow when you're spending in one hand and you're taking the money from the consumer on the other. They, they didn't. He ran up a 1.4 trillion dollar deficit in his uh, in his second year in, in in office. So they didn't take the money out. They borrowed it they to borrowed. finance it. Yeah. Unlike just printing right. it up, they borrowed it, which ended up taking capital out of the economy for expansion, which slowed economic growth. That's right. But you just said the government can spend money and get a lot of growth. I said, no, you can't do that. Whoa, whoa, I'm saying the Treasury, if you eliminate the Fed and you eliminate the debt premise, then the Treasury can spend money and the economy. You You can't just print money. That's what leads to inflation. When the Federal Reserve... We're, we're not going to get money in and of itself. We're not going to go uh, get uh, anything different. <laughs> Let's move on. Okay. Let's move on. Right. Uh, I wanted to touch on the. Um, thank you, Joe, on that. Um, I wanted sure. to touch on the whole situation with what the mentality of your students, your finance students, are they more pro capitalist, uh, capital uh, model? Or are they diverting themselves into other models, the socialist model? That happens to be a great question, because the university where I teach was originally founded as a liberal arts college. With the exception of the School of Business, which is the largest school, um, everybody else there has a very liberal view on things. So the business students understand capitalism and favored the uh, free enterprise system. The rest of the school thinks Bernie Sanders is the greatest, and they want to follow everything he does. Okay, so 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 there is some that's hope. where they are. There there is some hope yeah. that because the way I'm I'm hearing the college students now today are more focused, especially the millennials, are more diverting their attention to the socialist model instead of the capitalist model. Yeah, recent studies show that um, millennials. Favor socialism over capitalism, yes, which is very that's, disturbing. That's exactly why I, I brought that up, because you are a professor at a, a public university in New Jersey and, and in a very liberal, liberal state. And I wanted to get a, yeah. a, a feedback on where are we heading? Are, are we basically your finance students who will be uh, working uh, somewhere in the financial uh, business um, um, financial environment. What is the yeah. mental way of looking at? Well, that? the yeah, the people in the business fields understand the concept of of business. They don't go for the socialism at all. They typically earn more income, and they want to keep what they earned. So they don't go for the socialism model. In many of the other fields. Uh, people are looking more toward that socialism model. Um, I, I think what 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 is th- this next election in November is very critical. If the yeah. uh, Republicans and I think the Republicans are going to maintain control in the House and I think they're going to increase the number of senators. But if I'm wrong and the Democrats end up um, winning one House, uh, one House of Congress and they start to thwart. President uh, Trump's agenda uh, and or if you get people like uh, Cory Booker from New Jersey or Kamala Harris from California, if you get some of uh, those people putting their ideas through um, Elizabeth Warren, um, you know, I think um, we run into trouble. You know, I I recall back in 1972 when George McGovern uh, offered Mm. these very same socialistic ideas, he got clobbered in the presidential election. 
Um, now, I know times are a lot different. We've, we just lived through uh, eight years of President Obama, so I'm a little bit nervous. But, and with the press, you know, President Trump's got, he's got every Democrat voting no on everything he says. Uh, he's got the, the press, which has uh, three different studies, said that over 90% of the coverage is negative. And he's got people in his own party that, that don't like him. And in spite yeah. of that, uh, he's, he's able to get things done. So if he can keep going with his agenda, and as Americans start to remember what prosperity feels like, Americans have forgotten what prosperity feels like because it's really been since the year 2000 we had 4% growth. That's what prosperity feels, feels like. Once we start to remember what that prosperity feels like, I think people are going to tend more toward the free market capitalistic model they're going to see that hey we tried this under obama it didn't work look at uh, you know we may think trump is a bad person and they do but he's a good president because what he's putting into effect is is working for us you know bad people can be good presidents bill clinton's a perfect example of that he was really right. a bad person and he turned out to be a good a good president you know he, he's right. the one he cut the capital gains tax from 28 to 20 percent his exact words were in his State of the Union speech, I believe in 97, uh, the era of big government is over, is what he yeah. said. He managed to run a surplus in the budget working with Newt Gingrich in the, in, in the, the House. Right. Uh, those, and he had 4.5% growth for four years after the capital gain uh, cut. Though, that's what prosperity feels like. Everybody was feeling good. People were making money. There were jobs available. For everybody, you didn't like your job, you weren't afraid to leave it, you know you can find a better one. People were not so angry at each other like they are today. So I think if Trump can keep going and get that prosperity returned, a lot of this talk of socialism will go away. Well, let me, let me say, Professor, you're not going to be wrong, because I predicted on this show <laughs> that not. we are going to win. The, the They're going to win in November and they're going to retain the, uh, the, both the House and the Senate. Uh, and, and, I, and I'll give you a, a very short, brief description why. First of all, the, the Democratic Party is divided. You have the Socialist Democrats, and then you have the, the Establishment Democrats. And there's a right. division right there. That's not going to work well with them come November. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> I, don't, I don't think so either. The only thing they have going for them, they don't put... Um, a whole lot of uh, policy proposals that would be accepted by the majority of Americans. So the only thing they have to run on is not Trump. So they just try to make Trump look as bad as possible, coming up with every possible thing they can come up with and, and find. And miraculously, he's been able to fight all these things off. I mean, he's got it. There's a special investigator He's not concerned about what's happened with Russia. He just wants to pull Trump down. <clears throat> of course. And Trump's been able to be, uh, fight that. They, they get anybody that worked for Trump that uh, uh, has a parking ticket from anywhere, they indict them <laughs> and uh, try to get them to, to flip on Trump. And they're starting to realize there's nothing to flip. He didn't do anything wrong. But That's in right. spite of all this, he has to fight. He's still able to get this done. I think it's a remarkable achievement what he what it he's is. been able it to is. do. It is. Before we we leave because this has been enjoyable, I'd like to, for you to come back again. Uh, sure. What if you can give me? Uh, you know, do you have a website, uh, a blog? Yeah. Newsmax? Sure. So um, I have a page on Facebook. Uh, it's called Funding Democracy: The Economics of Freedom. So to get to it, just Facebook.com forward slash Funding Democracy. Funding Democracy. Oh. You can go to, uh, on your own Facebook, just put in the search bar, Funding Democracy, and you'll see it. My last uh, three or 400 columns from four or five years are there. All right. Well, thank you again for coming, taking time to come. And, again, let's preserve, preserve, <laughs> and, and keep thank New Jersey beautiful. Thank you. I appreciate being here. And tell Joe I appreciate the lively discussion. <laughs> That's right. All right. <laughs> Have a good evening and a great week. All right, Luther, you want All to right. say something? Yeah. Are you there? All right. Yes, uh, uh, Luther, uh, you want to say something too? Before we get off. Well, 
Yeah. Hurry up, hurry up. Uh, when was the last time a president had an economy growing that he lost uh, the uh, Congress and, and the Senate? I don't okay. see uh, – I think the liberals are grasping with straws because the economy is yeah. growing. I don't we're, see we're, them putting the top. Every day they got people. The people are learning more and more what they're up to. Okay. You know? Okay. We're, 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 we're off the air. Thank you, we're Professor. Right. Thank you, Luther. And All right. Thank you. Evening. A pleasure. Okay. God bless All right. You. Thank okay. you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.